Hello, Bill. How are you? All right. Hi, Glenn. Coach, how you doing? All right. So you got a long flight home, a rough night down there in Houston. You get back here today. Obviously, you've looked at all of the footage of last night's game, and what conclusion do you come to? Yeah, well, they, they were better than we were last night, uh, unfortunately. So, you know, we had some chances, and, you know, we did some good things, but not enough. And uh, we've all got to do a better job. Coaching staff, players, uh, just all got to do a better job. You know, games like this for me are just, um, I guess they just, I guess they're more frustrating. Am I on right now? Yeah, you're on. Yeah, are more frustrating than normal games because there's so many little things that if you just tighten up some of those little things, it's a completely different outcome. And, and I'm going to go with the, gra- the the glasses half full today, you know, because I look at that third series in the third quarter when the offense went down and scored, but they had so many penalties, three penalties in that drive. Lots of third and longs, first and 20s, first and 30. It was like overcoming challenge after challenge. So to me, that's, that's a good sign. That's a sign of, listen, even though we're down, we're still fighting, and we had all these challenges, we're still able to make it, make it happen and get some points out of it. That's got to be, uh, I guess, a, a brighter side, in, I guess, in the, in, based on the way things went for you guys? We had our moments. Yeah, we, we had our moments. We, we did some good things. Um, but we weren't able to sustain enough, and we didn't do enough good things at the right time to, you know, have the result we wanted. So, um, yeah. when, when you, with the injuries, so Ted Karras goes down. We, did you guys have to limit? Did you guys limit what you were capable of doing? You know, based on just, you know, based no, on the injuries. No, not at all. No, James Ferentz has been with us. He's taken a lot of snaps, uh, certainly in practice and preseason. Um, some in the game, but he's no, he he did fine in there. Was, there were no issues with him. So in that first drive, you guys came. I think the first eleven plays, nine of them were runs, and Sony was running the ball well. Rex had a couple of them, but that was seemed like that was about it with that run. Did they do something defensively to kind of make you guys change that? Because it looked like that first drive you were going to try to run the ball today, and it that seemed like the only drive you were effective on it. Yeah, I, I don't think I really saw it that way, Lou. I mean, we. I don't know what we ended up rushing. What did we end up rushing for? 100 and 145 and 145. It didn't all come in that drive. I can tell you that. So, uh, yeah, we look. We had our we had our plays, and then we had some that you know weren't so good. So when you look at the um, the offense, and obviously Brady was was frustrated with it, and you look at the younger receivers, and you're deep into the season. How do you match that all up where you want to get them involved, okay, and yet you're 12 games into the season right now and some of the stuff is just not working? Yeah, well, we just keep working at it. Again, I think everybody can do a better job. So, um, you know, we'll all, we'll all pitch in and you know, try to try to be more productive, more efficient. Um, I think you guys have uh, – so Nick Folk – Gets uh, has a gets. It's like he earned it. <laughs> has an emergency appendectomy on, I think, Thanksgiving. You guys cut him. Um, is there an opportunity for him to come back if he heals up? I don't know if you've ever dealt with something like an appendectomy before. I don't know what the healing process is with that. <laughs> Dr. Belichick? Um, yeah, so what's the question? Is it going to heal? Sure, it's going to yeah, heal. Yeah, I mean, does he have an opportunity? Yeah, so full, he's going to make a full recovery. He's not going to die. <laughs> Successful surgery. Yeah. I just feel like this, the, the kicking situation has is, is, got to have been uh, crazy for you guys based on Guskowski and then uh, Nugent and then Nick and now Kai Forbath. Um, 
Have you ever been through used so many kickers in a year before? Yeah, well, we'll just, you know, manage it week to week here and um, see how it goes. So, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll try to figure out what we feel like is the best for this week, and that's what we'll do. So, I know you guys had uh, that illness that hit the team later in the week, and I'm just curious, defensively, did, it, did that affect your team at all? Did you have to rotate more because of that? Were guys still feeling the effects of it? Uh, yeah, look, it's you know, it, it wasn't perfect, but it's a national football league. Just games go on, and we play them. And so we'll, when they schedule the next one, we'll be ready to play that one too. Did they do anything specifically to kind of get the matchups maybe against some of your linebackers, <coughs> some of the short passes across the middle? Uh, I mean, they, they did a lot of things they normally do. You know, they have a pretty – Diversified offense. Um, I use both backs, you know, with Hyde and Johnson. And, uh, you know, mix the formations up, move the receivers around, Fuller, um, Stills, and, and uh, Hopkins. And uh, you know, the quarterback got out, you know, got away from a couple of potential uh, sacks or tackles a couple of times as well. So, uh, no, I wouldn't say it was any one thing specifically, but uh, we had – we had some trouble in the second down passing game. Do you see teams when team has had success against you doing something that you see another team do it again? It looked like a couple times they had a couple running backs and they had the tight end. And we saw, obviously, Baltimore do that, line it up with a quarterback. I may be wrong on that one. but No, it's, no we, we see, I would say, copycat plays uh, right. every week. Some teams are uh, more of a copycat team than another. Um, some teams will just kind of stick with their system. Everybody does that to a degree, but um, there are some plays that are repeat plays from an earlier game, not necessarily the last game, but, you know, an earlier game in the season if it's something similar to what uh, they do or they feel they can do. So, uh, yeah, that showed up last night. It's been showing up all year, though, and certainly showed up in the past. It's not uncommon at all. It's what a lot of offensive coaches will do is they'll take things that are successful, either plays or concepts, and, uh, if it matches up with their personnel and, and kind of the way they feel like they want to attack you, they'll sure, you'll see those again. So do you anticipate this going into these games saying, because you always talk about you play to your strengths, you try to hide your weaknesses. You know you've got weaknesses, and the team is going to try to, the other team's going to try to exploit it. Are these things that you anticipate going into these games, well, this team, they had success against us. They're going to copy this. We're going to see this. Yeah, well, that's why it's so important to watch the, the film after the game to correct the mistakes, to go through the things that happen in the game. Uh, so if they do come back up again, at least you've, you know, you've got a understanding of you know, how you want to handle those situations. Um, sometimes those things reappear, sometimes they don't, but hopefully at least you've corrected them. And uh, you know, if you anticipate that it's going to be a problem going forward, then um, you know, that, that's what you do. So there was some of that in the game, I wouldn't say an inordinate amount. Um, certainly the running game had a lot of, a lot of elements to uh, the Baltimore running game, um, but uh, that really wasn't a big problem in the game. You know, the b- bigger problem for us was second down. So, when it comes to red zone offense, what's uh, what's the most important thing to be a successful red zone offense? Should it be more run? Should you be able well, to run always, the football yeah, first? It's al- well, it's always best if you can hand the ball off and run it in. Yeah, it's harder to throw down there. Um, it's based on the number of players that they have on defense and the amount of space you have to throw on offense, everything's a lot tighter. 
but the running game's tighter too because the secondary is closer to the line of scrimmage, and you know those guys are uh, just safeties are like added linebackers, so uh, it's hard to to get a hat on everybody. Um, but the easiest thing to do is hand off the ball and run it in. If you can do that, that's you know that's always preferable to trying to you know throw it into a tight space with more defenders. But if they bring enough people up there, or you're too close to the line or to the goal line where you really just can't. You have unblocked players, then that's not really the answer either. So, you know, it's some combination of both. So, Nikhil Harry in that first target, there's an interception from Brady. You know, as the game goes, you get a running back maybe that fumbles. Do you just take him out? Do you give him another opportunity to try to gain some confidence back? Is it after that interception, you can question the route, whether it's proper or not, but is there tempting to kind of just get the guy in there more, to get him more involved, to gain that confidence? Or is it one of those things where, like, hey, you know, that's it for the day, and because he had ten snaps afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, no, that definitely wasn't it. Um, you know, as the game unfolded, you try to do the things that are that are working for you, things that are the most successful, and try to try to build on those. So that's what we try to do. It's what we usually try to do, I would say. But look, there were plenty of mistakes in that game to go around. Every everyone made them. So uh, it's not any one player. Even though you would try to pinpoint somebody, that's de- definitely not the case. Um, as I said, we all got to do a better job, coaches, players, just our overall performance and execution. So is he? It looks like I mean I don't know. Whether it's, uh, I guess I'm wondering how much better he is getting with that communication, understanding of the offense. Obviously, he's a talent, he's a first round draft pick, and you just thought two weeks of practice, three weeks of games, you'd start to see him get more involved, or that game would be elevated. Yeah, well, uh, you know, this week we had all five receivers active, which we didn't have last week. So uh, that that changed things for us a little bit uh, offensively. Gave us more options, and you know, I think all those guys played. Well, they definitely all played, um, and so that was uh, you know the way things broke up last week was a little different than the week before against Dallas, where we only had three receivers active. So you scored the touchdown. You lined up for the two point conversion. Um, you took a delay a game. And kicked it after that. I take it you wanted to preserve your timeout, but was there something that you saw in them that you thought you could run a play, and then something changed? Uh, yeah. Well, no. I, Tom made a good decision there. Um, play we had called. He didn't feel good about it, um, and I can see why he didn't. And so we would rather just you know, back up and kick the extra point rather than use a timeout at that point in the game. Definitely. Right. You know, I, I you know. The stats aren't going to really tell the story with, with, with Brady, but I feel like he's having one of his better years based on the plays that he saves, the balls that he throws away or that he throws in the dirt or the sacks that he takes because he doesn't want to make a bad situation worse. Do you feel like he's trending towards that? Do you think that's part of the, the equation with him? I think Tom's good at, at avoiding sacks, definitely. Yeah, if he has time to uh, – usually if he has time to throw back there – um, he can either, you know, get it to us or, or get the ball up before they get to him. So, uh, you know, anytime you can avoid negative plays and, and going backwards and creating longer yarded situations, that's a good thing. I think he's a very good job of that. I, I mean, there's a, a couple opportunities, a couple situations where he did a great job. He's never going to run like crazy. He, he had the one run. But just the way he handles the pocket, like the one touchdown to James White, slides sidesteps yeah. to his left, steps up and just throws a dart. I mean, it's just – I mean, that to me is stuff that I think people overlook. Yeah, well, Tom has very good pocket presence. I, I don't think anybody that's ever seen him play or played against him or coach him would say anything other than that. He's, 
He's very uh, adept at, at moving and sliding in the pocket to create space to throw the ball. So he does a good job on that. So you guys, uh, there was um, <clears throat> a lot went on this offseason with you guys in Houston regarding Nick Casario. And I'm just wondering, does that play a role in your relationship with a guy like Billy O'Brien at all? Yeah, I mean, we're just trying to go down and compete against the Texans, and unfortunately we didn't do well enough. You know, last night during the victory, so we'll move on. Yeah, because we just, we overanalyze everything. So we see a handshake and think it was really quick or just cold and saying, oh, maybe that plays into it, what happened this offseason. But that didn't, or? Not on my end. All right, Kansas City this week. Uh, this is a, a, a team that you're pretty familiar with. You saw them a couple times last year. Uh, some personal difference on the defensive side of the ball. Are they different, or is this pretty much what you saw last year? Uh, well, defensively, it's a different scheme. It's right. um, you know Spagnuolo's scheme uh, compared to Sutton's scheme. Some of the players are the same. They've added some. They've added some players. Um, you know, offensively, uh, same thing. Little, you know, some variation in the running backs. Uh, you know, added Hardman. So changes on the offensive. Couple changes on the offensive line at uh, center. So well, you know, it's a, if you look at them on the surface, I'd say it's a pretty similar looking group overall but no there are some different differences and key players that uh, have been exchanged you know some that have left some that have come in but the quickness of the receivers do you have to do something different against a team like that because as good as your corners have been and your your safeties have been this is a team that's got a couple of really quick receivers oh they got more than a couple yeah yeah they got Mm -hmm. got a handful so yeah they're very talented receiver obviously tight end uh, and at the run back and the quarterback. So, uh, and they have a very good system, and they are very experienced. They have an experienced offensive line. So, you know, they they know what they're doing. Uh, they can give you a lot of schematic problems, and they have uh, you know great players to fit into that scheme. So, uh, it's problems on multiple levels. Yeah, the other thing is it's that that quick strike ability that they have. And even though you have a lead, you can never really just rest on your laurels of what you've done because they have that ability to come back so quickly. They can score from any place on the field with multiple players. So no difference in Patrick Mahomes. I know he had the knee injury, missed a couple games. It doesn't look like he's slowed down. It looks like he's the same as last year. Have you noticed the same thing? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he missed two games and then, uh, you know, part of the Denver game, but he's – you know, he's got a great arm. He throws the ball to everybody. He uses all of his receivers. or he spreads the ball around. And, and those guys are all very good after the catch, either with their speed or their uh, quickness and open field ability or both. Um, so they're, you know, they're hard to cover, and then they're hard to tackle after they get the ball. And he does a good job of uh, getting it to them, getting it to all of them. He uses everybody. See, one of the things that I'm curious to know how you coach this up. So when a when a quarterback is just in the open, there's a lot of space between between him and the tackler, and I always feel like that's a I don't know a scary position to be in if I was a defensive player because you want to run full speed at him to tackle him, but you're so concerned with him juking you. So how do you coach? What do you, how, what do you tell the defensive players as far as their approach to tackling that guy, knowing? that at any moment in time he could act like he's going to throw it, he can juke you and still make the tackle. I, I felt like I saw some of the guys doing that against Deshaun Watson last night, and it seemed like it was working. They were kind of pausing before or setting it up, or maybe I'm just seeing things. 
Right. Well, if you're just talking about a just a plain open field tackle with um, a guy like that, like a quarterback like that. Yeah, or any. Well, I mean, any any player that's skilled in open field tackling James White or tackling. Uh, just, I mean, start picking players. There's a lot of guys that are hard to tackle in the open field. So, you know, we work on that a lot. It's, you know, it's leverage, it's balance, and, you know, being able to, you know, play at the speed he's playing at. Um, now, if there's other things involved, like you're covering a man and he's running with the ball, but you're still in coverage, um, you know, then, then you have the issue is if you come out of coverage and he throws it to your man, you know, there's nobody to cover him, so. You have to make a decision there as to you know when when to come and and get the quarterback. But assuming you don't have any coverage responsibility and just trying to make an open field tackle, no different than a like punt gunner trying to make yeah. a tackle on on a punt returner. Yeah. Then right, then you you know you close at the runner with the with the leverage that you have. Try to maintain that leverage and and try to get under control and force the runner to go away from where you are. Um, if he cuts back into you, then hopefully you can redirect and make the tackle. Otherwise, you know you force him away from from the position that you've established. So last year when you played, came back to Kansas City, you played them a couple times, once with Kareem Hunt, once without Kareem Hunt. So the difference is in maybe defending a team that has one guy that can kind of do it all as opposed to maybe three different backs that these guys use now. Is that just as challenging, maybe without that one great running back? Well, I don't know what category you're putting LaShawn McCoy in, but I would put him in the great running back category. As Kareem Hunt? I mean... Just gained a lot more yards than Kareem Hunt has. Not, put, not saying anything against Kareem yeah. Hunt, but I mean, Sean McCoy, that's a pretty good back right there. Damian Williams done a good job for him. Um, so, uh, look, whoever they put in there is, is a problem. They're not putting anybody on the field that's, you know, you don't have to worry about. So, you can be sure of that. They're just, they're just not going to do that. So, they have a lot of, a lot of dangerous players and they, they find ways to get them out there. And if you don't defend them, they get them the ball and then you, you got problems. All right, I've got to ask you about the 100 uh, greatest NFL because it was on again Friday night. You teased this last week. You said the front seven is going to be the best one. It was terrific with LT, Ray Lewis preaching, uh, Mean Joan Green. But you got to tell me about Bill Hewitt, okay? Played in the 30s and in the early 40s. And you showed footage of it. And correct me if I'm uh, right with this one. He had no helmet. So so, no, every, no. so everybody else wore helmets, and this guy didn't wear a helmet as a defensive and a two-way player? Well, not everybody. There were several players on that team that didn't uh, wear helmets. And honestly, one, that's one thing that made them pretty easy to identify because um, the numbers are sort of hard to yeah. see. And sometimes they only had numbers on, you know, one side of their jersey, you know, on the back of their jersey, and then they fall in the mud and you couldn't see that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Hewitt, uh, you know, Muso, uh, the tackle was another one that played without a helmet. That was, so was it an option? You had yeah. an option of playing with a helmet yeah. or without a helmet? That's right. Oh, that's oh my right. God. Imagine the NFL today doing that. <laughs> yeah. My no, God. and he was very, very aggressive. He was a, a defensive end, uh, played on the left side on defense, and then played on the uh, left tight end, if you will, because uh, rarely were tight were ends split out in at the time he played, uh, like we see him now. Uh, Don Hudson did, yeah. but that was a different category. So he was really a, you know, a, a blocker in the running game with, uh, you know, minimal receiving opportunities, and then a, a defensive end. Uh, who was very aggressive uh, and could run well, so he made a lot of plays in chase, and he was um, could get upfield and and defeat blockers and and rush the quarterback. He was also very good in punt and kickoff coverage, which of course, again, in those days there were no special team players. Everybody Played did everything. Yeah. So um, I was very 
impressed when I started watching him on tape and his his aggressiveness, his toughness, his versatility. Um, I'm I'm not saying Lawrence Taylor because Lawrence Taylor is Lawrence Taylor. There is no other Lawrence Taylor. But he reminded me a little bit of Taylor, the way that he played. Instincts or? Well, threw his body around, was fast, was aggressive. Not as big as Taylor, not as physically dominant as Taylor. He was probably 195 pounds, which, you know, I'd say was average at that day. But he wasn't. Taylor was bigger than a lot of guys he played against or as big as some of the, you know, the offensive linemen or close, maybe not as, you know, but within 20 pounds, I'd say he would, didn't have that kind of stature, but he was aggressive. He was fast. He would, you know, hurdle over blockers and, you know, see double teams or pullers coming and just go in there and, and blow them up and, you know, knife through and, and make plays and all that. Again, is his punt and kickoff coverage, you could really see his athleticism, his ability to run and tackle and, and uh, and he was a tough blocker too. So he was, I was very impressed with with the, the footage. Bill is remarkable when you see this old film, and you've obviously looked at a lot more than what they showed on the on the show. But it's amazing to see a guy with no helmet. You wonder how many yeah. concussions he had. And you're right, he's throwing his body into quarterbacks. He didn't care. That's a, I, I was amazed at that. I know the other guys were in the leather helmets, but yeah. still, there's some type of protection to protect your brain. Yeah, I don't know how much help those helmets were, but to your point, I'm sure they were. There were some. That's why they wore them. Uh, but you know, it was kind of like the hockey situation. You know, yeah. nobody wore uh, helmets, and then a few guys started wearing them, and you know, not everybody wears them. But it was, we saw that. You know, the football part of it was you know before our time, but I think it was kind of the same thing. So I don't know how much old film you have watched in some of these guys. So how does it work? Do they tell you kind of who the top hundred are and say this is some of the film? Do you? enjoy going back and, and watching, maybe getting to know some of these players maybe more than you already did? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, as far as the top 100 uh, goes, I was um, you know, asked to be on the, the group that voted for that. And so when we, um, when we voted uh, you know, on who those players were, um, most of them, if not all of them, um, well, there's some current players that aren't in the Hall of Fame, but most all of them are in the Hall of Fame. So basically you're voting on the Hall of Fame players yeah. as the top 100 based on the number of uh, guys selected at different positions. So um, since I was a part of that uh, and you kind of tried to you know whittle it down a little bit, the hard thing was to evaluate a player who was a one-way player and you know outstanding and elite uh, Hall of Fame player in that position with um, – another player from another era that played both ways who may not have been as good as the guys now that play one position, but he played every play, mm-hmm. he played offense, defense, special teams, and all that. A lot of cases, these guys kicked and, you know, return kicks and so forth. So it was, it was hard to do that. But in, in going through the process, I watched film of a lot of the uh, players that were, um, that I hadn't seen uh, from, you know, the thirties and the forties, especially, um, and even a little bit in the early fifties and just, you know, watch them play, and uh, some guys, you know, really stood out for me, uh, and and so then when we did the show, uh, you know, I was asked to talk about, you know, a few guys in each show, and so I I did that, and mostly it was these guys, you know, the yeah. guys that were um, either in the two-way era or, you know, early in the, um, you know, early in the, um, mm-hmm. the one-way era, you know, guys like Marchetti and guys like that, Lenny Moore. I uh, forget who all I talked about, but it was players that kind of fell into that category. Mm. Although huh. guys like Lenny Moore, even though he was a one-way player offensively, was such a versatile player 
uh, been from a running back to a receiver, um, you know, had power to, to run inside, certainly could run outside, was very fast. There's no doubt in my mind he would have been a, you know, a great defensive back had he been a two-way player, you know, in the 30s or 40s if that had been his era. So, um, you know, I gave personally a lot of, um, I would say, value to players like that, like Lawrence Taylor, uh, you know, guys like that that would, to me, even though they were one-way players, had they played in two-way era, they would have no problem being great two-way players as well. Hmm. Um, Field Yates reporting that you have cut for Beth. Um, have you found another kicker? Are you moving on? Uh, I think that's all we have for right now. Okay. All right, Coach. What do you think? Drive of the week. Um... <laughs> I got. I, I, you want me to help you with this one? Okay, this is the one. I, listen, this is the one I thought was just kind of interesting because you, you guys. I mean, the offense put themselves in a bunch of crappy situations. Big play with a with a, a, a Marcus a, a, a Cannon holding penalty, and then a Julian Edelman uh, offensive pass interference, and then a James White offensive holding. So you went from uh, the offense went from a second and twenty one to a third and seventeen to a first and twenty to a first and thirty. Ended up with a touchdown, wide open James White. I felt like that was a, a just a tough drive for them. No you know, doubt. Yeah, based on just, it was very tough. It's like just grind, talk about grinding it out. Yes. So there's your drive of the week. Well, you had that third and 17 nice. to Watson, right? Was that that, that in little that check drive? down? Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. broken. Yeah. About an eight or nine yard pass and then broke a tackle and got about 25 yards out of it. So, yeah. Well, on those long yardage, it's hard to. Sometimes it's hard to throw the ball 25 yards or 20 yards, whatever you need for the first down. So sometimes a catch-and-run play, if you can break a tackle, gives you that opportunity. All right, you can save it for next Monday for what? some good drives in, uh, in no, I'm good. Sunday afternoon's game. We can do that. <laughs> Conversation with the Coach has been brought to you by Putnam Investments. Putnam Investments and the New England Patriots, proud partners, committed to an active game plan on and off the field. Bill, we'll see you here next Monday. Good luck All against right. Kansas City. All right. Sounds good, Glenn, Christian, Lou. Thank you. You got it. Good Bill luck, Belichick right here on OMF.